Well, here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Kick and chase by Mullins. Kick and chase again by Mullins. Aguero! Welcome back to the Racing and Sports Punters Pod on this Tuesday, January the 24th. Jimmy Buckley with you less than six weeks out from the start of the NRL season. Can you believe it? And there's been plenty happening in the off-season since Penrith flogged Parramatta to win back-to-back premierships all the way back in October to break down a busy summer and look ahead to some early value bets for the new season. I'm joined by former Canberra Raiders halfback and racing and sports' own Sam Williams. Welcome, Sam. G'day, Bucko. It's good to be back talking rugby league, and it's nice to have you back with your dulcet tones sitting <laughs> on the other side, mate. It's coming around quickly. We were just talking this morning about those trial games, which are only uh, a matter of weeks away now. So uh, I guess they've all been... Uh, hard at it in pre-season training and I can only imagine you probably don't miss that so much Sam. Yeah, it's an interesting time of the year. It's that little little gap there. Uh, most of the players have had a really big hit before Christmas and tried to get the real bulk of their work physically in. After the break, it's about starting to prepare for these trial games and you, you can see the end of the pre-season in touching distance and those trial games are around the corner, but there's still a little bit of work to be done. So it is a really hard time right now, probably more mentally than anything for the players. Uh, no, most certainly not something that I do miss. We might touch on that a little bit later on, but there's been plenty happening off the field, and I think the main headline in recent weeks has probably been around the collective bargaining agreement and seemingly a bit of friction between the players and the governing body. There's even been talk of strike action too. Uh, what can you tell us about this one, Sam? I think a lot of it, it comes down to more the conditions. The, the pay and the salary cap, what it's going to be set at, is, I think it's pretty comfortable on both sides around how that looks. What I think the, the Players Association is pushing for, one, being a little bit more cover for the retired players to get surgeries and, and things that they need fixed from their body for a longer period. As it stands, it's only for the 12 months after you you finish up in the game. Some players might, you know, they might try and uh, prolong doing a few things because of injuries but not want to get something done straight away. So they're trying to get a little bit more cover long-term for, for retired players. And there's a few things, I think, around the rule changes and I think there's a player now on the, on the rules committee. Uh, for example, the six again rule was brought in overnight. I think it was a matter of getting a, a message, the Players Association getting a message on a Sunday and by Monday or Tuesday there was this new six again rule. So I think it's around playing conditions and also training conditions is another one. The certain amount of contact that your body takes at training now, it's a very fine line because coaches are trying to get the best out of that player for the season. Over the next sort of maybe one, two, three years of their contract, there's very few players that that a coach is probably going, geez, in 10 years' time, I hope I've still got him firing and his body's in good shape. So they're trying to get the best out of the player for the upcoming game, the upcoming season, whereas from the player's point of view, they want to still be able to play into their 30s. And, And the way the game is now, it's just so fast and so physical. It's very hard for these players to sustain high level training and contact through the week and then get into a game and doing it again and there'll be a lot of people out there who say that 
the body, you, you've got to do the work to be able to play well. And that is most certainly true. You, you can't hide the fact that you need to practice tackling and running and getting the body ready. But if you're starting to get little uh, concussions or small little knocks on your body throughout the week, and then you start playing with needles on a weekend, it just doesn't stand up well for a long career. Like I've mentioned at the top there, talk of potential strike action. What's the likelihood, do you think? Yeah, it's not going to happen, I don't think. I think, to be honest, you'd like to you'd like to think that the, there'll be some sort of agreement. There's probably different ways. And they talk about strike action. That's the very, very last step. There's certain things, I think, some teams so far have boycotted uh, media days and, and some of the things around headshots and photo shoots and things like that. That's just a very small thing. We saw a little bit of work over social media from the players just trying to get their their side of the story across. I, th- I don't think it will come to it. I don't think it's not like there's, from what I understand, massive disparities in salary cap or what the players need to be paid. It's just a few tweaking of some certain issues and I think that the players are sticking to their guns a little more as a collective because in the past and over the last 10 years or so, the RLPA have done a wonderful job to stand up for the players' rights. But before that, there was no such thing as a players' committee or anything like that. So it's just now starting to become a little bit more important to the players and they're, and they're doing it as a, as a collective as opposed to one or two people speaking up individually. Should there be strike action for round one, a potentially novel solution is in the air. The USA Championship Rugby League CEO has reportedly reached out to Peter Volandis and offered up 160 fit and firing players that could come in and fill the breach for the NRL until such time as there is a resolution. What do you make of this one, Sam? Yeah, Bucko, uh, uh, as you know, and and some people may have seen it on social media, I'm captain coach of the Queen Rouge this year, and I honestly reckon that we've got a dozen (laughs) reserve graders who would fill that void before any of those USA players. Uh, the standard over there is, I think it's a wonderful idea that the, the competition and the people doing the work over there, I'm fully supportive of it, but it's a long way to go before we start getting some players to come over and play in the NRL. And if they were good enough, I promise you now these scouts in Australia would have already found them. <laughs> I would have thought so. One of multiple rugby league competitions that run in the States, the USA Championship Rugby League, made up of eight clubs, I believe, spread over three states. Shades of the 1987 NFL season where uh, for two weeks the players were on strike and it paved the way for a whole heap of no-names to come in and have their moment in the spotlight before sanity was restored. Maybe the Queanbeyan Kangaroo Raiders 2023. (laughs) That'd go right, I reckon. (laughs) Anyway, uh, a bit of player movement over the off-season two. Stephen Crichton to the Dogs as of 2024 uh, seems a pretty handy signing for Canterbury. He'll be leaving a bunch of pretty handy mates who are shooting for three straight premierships this season, the Penrith Panthers. What do you make of that one, Sam? It's the prime example of how the salary cap works and for a lot of years now. I think there's probably been a little bit more of a disparity between the top teams and some of the bottom teams over the last few seasons. But the salary cap, whether you love it or hate it, it's done its job in terms of keeping the game close and the teams even. And he's just another example of how this works. So you, you can't keep what they've got going there. They've been the dominant side for a number of years now and back-to-back premierships. 
you just can't keep everyone together. You've got to make a decision around some of your key players, and you, you've seen Kikau and now Crichton leave, but the core of that side still remains at Penrith. I think it's another good pickup for for the Bulldogs, and Gus is doing a brilliant job in recruiting it. It's one thing, his uh, stature in the game and the amount of pull he has around players and, and clubs and what he can do. He's got the gift of the gab and he's got an aura about him and he's getting players to, the, to Canterbury. There's no doubt about it. Whether or not all these players come without Gus being there, I'm not too sure. But he'll be a big he'll be a big pickup for them. It's another challenge for him. He's not playing outside probably the best halves combination nearly in the comp. Um, certainly the best halfback in the comp anyway. And it's going to be a big challenge for him. But I think it's a good pickup for the Dogs and... As I said earlier, the Panthers have to make a decision on who goes and you just can't keep them all. So that'll be Crichton, Matt Burton, Kickow, and of course the coach, Cameron Seraldo, all coming from the Penrith Panthers to Canterbury. Is there any more raiding that Gus might be able to do before he's finished with yeah. the Panthers? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised, especially in the... Some of the lower grades, maybe Gus might might have his view to a few of those players before they get to first grade. But I think that's what Penrith have done so well. They're just so dominant over so many grades. Their reserve grade, their 21s, their 19s, their 17s. They're so dominant across the park. I just, they'll find someone to be able to step into the, into their shoes. They're a little bit like Melbourne. I guess they've been good for a lot of years. But a couple of years ago, there was just someone stepping up every single time. The Panthers are like that now. I've got no doubt... You don't fluke winning all these competitions in the lower grades and not have players come through. They'll have it worked out. I've got no doubt they've got a centre somewhere in there. They've got a big Polynesian base out there at Penrith and centres, you know, you're an athlete, you move well, you're a big, strong build. I've got no doubt they've got people on the radar, not only for the next year or two, but they'd be planning three, four years down the track. Now, even more intriguing for mine, John Bateman to the West Tigers. Uh, Now, he... Did he finish up with the Raiders end of 2020 or 2021? Yeah, it was 2020, I'm pretty sure. There, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. He, so he's pulled out of his four-year Wigan deal and decided he's going to return to the NRL to the struggling and embattled Wests Tigers, no less. Personally, not entirely surprised that we're seeing him back in the NRL. I do think he is of that quality. Uh, but again, another example of a player kind of breaking a contract before certainly Wigan would have hoped would have happened and all those Wigan fans to come out here to the NRL. But in any event, he looks like an intriguing signing for the Tigers. Yeah, what I'll say quickly, the the one thing that I I do like about the Super League setup with the, the contracts, at least the club's going to get some money received with the transfer fee. At least Wigan, you know, I, I, I don't know off the top of my head what the transfer fee was, but they would have made some money out of John leaving his contract early, so it doesn't leave the club high and dry. I think... In the NRL, often players will just be disgruntled and that's the end of that and they'll get their release and they'll off they go. And the club who's had them contracted get nothing out of it. But that's the same as the club, you know, if they're trying to clear off a player who doesn't want to go. You know, there's two sides of that coin. I think we a lot of the time we talk about the player and how the player um, is breaking their contract. But I'll tell you what, it, it happens more often than you'd think that a club tries to clear a player out from, from where they are and... That they find a way to get rid of the player as well. So there's a lot. I mean, as you know, there's there's a lot of, um, a lot of contract breaking on both sides of the fence. John, John, he's a leader. He's gonna 
is going to make a difference at the club. I think the West Tigers, what they need at the moment is they need winners and they need leaders. And I think they've certainly got that in John. He's on a multiple-year contract and he plays the game very aggressively for someone who's not built massively. You know, he's quite he's quite raw and he does play above his weight, John. So it's going to be interesting to see how the years play out. But in the short term, he's going to, he's going to bring that little bit of grunt and that little bit of mongrel and, and, and winning attitude. And I think he'll be good for someone like Luke Brooks. You know, take a little bit of attention away from him and he'll certainly grab some headlines here and there. John, he, he's that sort of bloke and he'll, I think he'll be really good for them. It's just a matter of how long, um, you know, these these types of players and the way you know, we've seen a lot of players, Josh Jackson, for example, how tough he played the game and, you know, overnight he retired. So it was one of those things, that, you know, I hope John's body holds up and we can see the best of John still to come. Curious to see how he slots in there at the Tigers, uh, Jay Bateman, and you're right about what you say there. With Wigan receiving a transfer fee, they certainly got plenty out of the Raiders when he first came over to Canberra and subsequently left early once again, I shall say. But anyway, I'm speaking a little bit from, a, I think, a Raiders administrative perspective there. In any event, a couple of interesting signings there. Just quickly, Sammy, new rules this year. They haven't tinkered too much, but they have made a couple of uh, differing interpretations. The big one that I think will create more points is they're really going to crack down on having both feet behind the referee, which is, I think you can find in every single ruck of the of every single game, you'll find someone that is not fully behind the referee when that foot is played the ball. So how they try and administer this, I think it's, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep the 10 and try and make some things as clear cut as possible. But there's no way that across that park, you're going to have every single player behind the referee, every single ruck of the game so I don't want to see and I think it will the first couple of weeks as we've seen previously they'll crack down on this rule they'll have there'll be multiple penalties and it'll probably be a frustration for a lot of fans it may open the game up later on as the players adapt to this and it's up to the players to adapt but if you want to find someone who's offside I think you could find it in every single ruck of the game so I just don't know how consistent this rule is going to be I hate a lot of the time in rugby league where you know, you get a five or six penalty lead and all of a sudden you become the most ill-disciplined team in the whole competition and you're suddenly at six and seven penalties all. You know, you can always find a penalty. It's just the major ones that that grind my gears. This one, I know what they're trying to do and you've got to keep the 10. The other one is on the try line. It's going to be very difficult for, for example, a half trying to get up off the line on a back rower to give themselves a little bit of a chance you know, you can't tackle someone around the legs a metre off the line because they'll score every time. So it's going to be interesting in the way teams attack on the line. I think you'll see a lot more hitting the lead runners one-on-one on the line because you can't get off the line as quick. Um, but it'll be interesting. It, 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 as I said, it'll probably open the game up a little bit. That seems to be a play that has returned, I think, certainly in 2022, that kind of crash play close to the line. That's a, a bit of a go-to now, I think, that when a team sets up with a deep back line and, and the hooker kind of throws a pass to the lead runner and shapes to then throw it out the back, almost in the follow-through. So they disguise, they almost throw the dummy after they've thrown the pass. It's uh, a bit of a, a, a slightly new innovation or certainly one that's come back into the game, and I think you make a good point there. If you are, if you do have to start with both feet behind the line as a half, imagine trying to stop uh, a Papali or, or someone of that ilk close to the line. 
Yeah, that's right. Good luck with it. Honestly, I think that there's going to be a lot of tries around this. And the other one is maybe hookers crashing over. I think 95% of the time, the markers on the line try and edge a little bit forward to give themselves a bit of a chance. But if you've got both feet behind the line on the try line, I'm not too sure how a hooker doesn't just stay down low and mm-hmm. look to burrow their way through. It's going to be very interesting to see how it, how it all works. Yeah, okay. Now... All right, back to pre-season, Sammy. I'm, I'm very curious here that the fact that you don't have to do your traditional NRL pre-season this year. Now, usually you boys get back in sort of November-ish, I suppose, maybe the first half of November. What does that run up to Christmas generally look like? Hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you've normally had a, had somewhere between six and nine weeks off depending on how you've gone previously in your age. But a lot of that time before Christmas, the first couple of weeks, you might ease back in with a little bit of your skills and get things rolling. But it's important that you get your body back to the standard you you need to be as soon as possible. So for some people, you know, there's, um, you know, there's more sessions than the others. I think once called Fat Club. Now, <laughs> now it's probably not allowed to be called that. It's... <laughs> It'd be something a little bit softer these days, but I was always in Fat Club. You just got to, you just got to bite the bullet and get on with it. A lot of lonely Saturday mornings at six a.m. Um, yeah, there's some tough times, but you know why you've got to do it. You know, it's what what athlete can argue that if they're not in the right shape, that it's unfair because it's your job to try and get to the best body you can um, to give yourself the best chance. And you know, this is coming from someone who was never the most brilliant looking athlete you might put bucko but uh, you know you understand it you know the reasons behind it and yeah so up until christmas it's a lot of work there's a lot of volume physically that's the hard part in terms of getting the body right mentally it's hard getting up for it during the season it's really hard mentally because of the highs and the lows that come with winning and losing one week life's great the next it's really really tough and you're you're getting criticism from all over the place whereas you get to this stage of the season in of the year in December and it's hot and and you're doing a lot of physical work the hard part mentally is just getting up every day to do it but at least you have a little bit less head noise from outside of the actual training paddock yeah one thing that that seems to be a constant across all clubs is this concept of doing multiple 800s in a in a session so I guess for you guys that's probably what a lap of HQ out there on the field at I think it's I think it's two two laps out there um yeah around those 800s and the 400s around that paddock you do a lot of them, and it, naturally you're going to lo- lose a bit of body fat, aren't you? It's that's what you're there for. That's why we're doing it. How quick are you supposed to get around 800 oh, meters? Oh, you're touching tough, tough one there. I've I've forgotten now, but the hard part is that the the time doesn't normally change too much. You've probably got maybe a, a couple of minutes between between 800s, but your time, you know, you're meant to not stray too far from your given time, and I think you know it's impossible to to improve on your time as the more and more tired you get but the time doesn't change too much and when you've got multiple eyes you've got the coaches looking at you you got your teammates next to you they know if you're bludging or if you're you're not having a crack so it is it's a it's a real um mentally when you're out there and as you as you know bucko you like getting out and doing your hikes and things like that but 800 meters if you're starting it off it's a long way to that finish line between <laughs> between your first step and your last so if you're doing them uh repeated you, you do know about it that's brutal and how, how much volume are we talking 800s how many 800s would you have to do in a, a single session yeah we, we've over the years there's been some big saturday morning sessions i think maybe you, you 
you might do, let's say you do 10 800s, um, but on top of that, you've still got the ball in hand and you're, you're physically competing against someone um, tackling. If you make two or three tackles in a row, that's just as hard as doing an 800 as well because the amount of exertion that goes into trying to make the tackle and get up and get up off your line. and So you're doing your 800s, but in between you're doing uh, physical ball work or, or defensive structures and you're getting up to real high volume, 12, 13, 14K days and the it, it puts you in a pretty hard spot. But... You come out of the day and you go, how you know how good we've got? We've got a team that want to work hard here today. I'm better for it. The body's better for it. I know I can handle it, and that's what it's about. Is a lot of it's learning about your own teammates and yourself in tough conditions. Now, another element to the preseason is, uh, and we hear a lot about this when teams go away for the the army camp type of a thing. And I was just reading earlier about Manly have done a three day army camp to Mudgee where they had to do all manner of things, including pulling a five ton broken down truck I think it was full of two extra tons worth of gear for half a kilometre through the bush just to finish off a massive session of hiking that they'd done carrying stretches through the bush all sorts of things I mean it it sounded hellacious you can definitely see the advantages of doing it both physically mentally and I guess uh, in terms of building that team bond what's the toughest pre-season you've had to do my one year I had at St George um, I was there for the first half of the 2014 season and it was quite physical and tough but we also had a it was a sort of overnight army camp I think we left at about uh, we left Wollongong maybe three o'clock in the morning and then got back lunchtime the following day but that was tough that was a real hard that was a hard hard period um, that that army camp was tough there was a lot of a lot of walking and a lot of you know, swimming with your full army kit on and cool. carrying guns and obviously not guns, carrying fake <laughs> guns. Um, yeah, we had to get through a fair bit. And um, as once again, you, the coaches are looking for leaders and who wants to stand up in their moments. And some people thrive on them. We were meant to have that, have one one year with the Raiders. We, we did do a couple of them over the years and some of them were quite tough, but not the multiple days. We were meant to do one there one year and um, for a couple of reasons that it, we couldn't go ahead with it. I was the happiest man in Australia when they called it off. A couple of other players were looking forward to it. They hadn't done them before. They thought, how good is this going to be? I oh, uh, don't know what world they were on. But <laughs> you do, yeah, you, you do come out of it with a new new appreciation around things. Um, certainly the, the defence force, the way they do things, and they do them all the time, and they do it for 12 days and these crazy, crazy things. But you do learn a lot about yourself. You've just glossed over something there, the swimming in your full army kit. It's actually a little bit tougher than you've made it out to sound by the, by the sounds of things. Yeah, it was. It was. I reckon we had about maybe an hour and a half or so in, in this 50-metre pool and we, we were just going up and back and we had to have this this fake gun around our necks all the time and some, you know, I'm not a great swimmer but I could get by. Some players were good swimmers, some players can't swim at all and you just... Uh, yeah, the, you've got all these blokes on the side saying that you can't touch the wall, don't touch the wall, yelling at you. You've got a mouth full of water, your eyes are burning, full of chlorine. <laughs> you, just, you just want you want to get out of it, and then they go right out you get, and you're dripping wet. You've had your shoes on in the pool the whole time. You're covered. You know the your clothes feel like they're about fifty kilos, and then off you go on this hike for another twenty k. <laughs> 
night time comes and he gets cold and you're just looking for mum. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that sounds absolutely uh, horrific. No, good stuff. No, I, lo- I like to hear that sort of stuff. A- a very, very interesting. Just before we go, this is, of course, the punter's pod, so, so we should uh, try and give the listeners a bit of a steer into something. I know we're still five or six weeks out. However, I've asked you to come up with your best bet at this stage for round one and also your best futures bet for the NRL season. We'll certainly preview this in more detail closer to the start date. But is there anything that's caught your eye, Sammy? Yeah, there's there's two early on and you'll probably get a bit of a bit of a feel for what I'm thinking through the season. One one of the future bets that really stands out to me is Parramatta to win the comp at fourteen dollars. But if you're not interested in trying to go that big, Parramatta to finish in the top four at three dollars seventy five. They're outside a lot of the teams who who improved, you know, your Cowboys, Sharks, both certainly had massive improvements last year. But I think Parramatta have held a fairly stable, for a team that's just made a grand final, they've held a fairly stable team going into the new year. They lose Papali'i. I understand that he's, you know, he's a big part of their team. But I think that they can cover him. Uh, Dylan Brown's got another year in the NRL. He's only improving. Mitch Moses is... Now, at the moment, he's got a lot of contract talk. He, he's going to want to go out. And I think he gets a lot of criticism, Mitch, but I think he had a wonderful year last year. I think he did a really good job. Um, Reid Marnie goes, and you replace him with Josh Hodgson. Now, Hodjo's played played for England. He would have played for New South Wales if he, or Queensland if he had have been here over the last few years at some point, especially when he's at the peak of his powers. But I just think if Hodjo's body holds up, I don't think they lose too much there. I actually think... If anything, they'd probably get a little little bit more creativity around the ruck. The big balance for Hodjo with halves that like Brown and Moses, who like the ball early and beating their man and take them on, is just finding the right balance of when to play and when not to. And that's going to be the big thing for Hodjo. But he doesn't need to go there and try and do it all himself. I think he's a, he's a smart enough player. I mentioned earlier about leaders and players that, that are going to drag um, their teammates to bigger and better things. Hodjo's one of them. He's a wonderful leader. He'll train as hard as anyone there. There's no doubt about that. He'll help some of the leaders in terms of their talk. He's a real good motivator, Hodjo. So I really think that there's so much that he adds. I really do like Parramatta's Top four at $3.75. I think it's worthwhile a little look. Absolutely it is, mate. Uh, should I assume then that your best bet around one potentially involves the Eels as well? No. Oh, righty, eh? I do, I, I, do, I do like them in round one, but my best bet, I'm actually going to the new boys, the Dolphins. I know that this, is, um, this could really come back to bite me, but <laughs> the Dolphins are giving away 16.5 start um, at $1.90. Now, the hardest part about the NRL is, A, for a team they need to have some depth to cover a lot of injuries which is fine. The second thing is you've got to be able to sustain it for 26 weeks. You've got to be up for every game. Round one, that shouldn't be an issue for the Dolphins. They should have as, as close to a, their best 17 as possible. They're playing in Queensland. They're going to have so much to play for. Rugby League's a very much motivated motivation-based game. You've got to be up for games because it is so physically and mentally difficult. I just think that they're going to be up for this game so, so much. Whether or not... You know, they can knock the Roosters off who are side who have had a lot of time together. And we know the skill level of the Roosters. They're unbelievable. But I just think that the $1.90 with giving away the 16.5 start, 
I think it's a really good bet to start off. Yeah, okay. So the Dolphins, the new boys, plus 16.5 against the Sydney Roosters at $1.90. Sam also keen on para to make the top four at $3.75. Just a couple from me. I didn't mind Canterbury at $2 to knock off Manly in their round one clash at uh, Brookvale Oval. I just like the way Canterbury are building, and Manly certainly finished off very poorly last year. The Doggies, I think from memory, went out and won against the Cowboys in round one last year. So we can probably assume that they'll be up and about for round one. And my futures bet, I don't mind the look of North Queensland, paying about $3 to be the best non-New South Wales team this season. That will, of course, be based on the Melbourne Storm regressing a little more, which I think may happen. Anything else you like, Sammy? Yeah, I've jumped in. I've had one more written down. And this is a, you know, it's no, there's no secret how important... Tommy Turbo is to the Manly side, but I've got Manly to miss the eight. They're only short there at a dollar fifty, but I think there's a couple of reasons behind that. I think Kieran Foran creates so much space for Tommy Turbo on an edge because he sinks so far into the line, and he gives them such an opportunity um, to open up. Now, if the centre was to jam, Foran still got over the top, but I think Foran was so big for Turbo and the way he played. The other player that they're going to miss is Dylan Walker, who's gone to the Warriors. And I think Dylan Walker, you shouldn't underestimate what he does for the middle of that manly side because he can ball play and also run. It really keeps those middle defenders quite tight. That allows Cherry Evans, Turbo, Foran last year to be able to create some room. And I think he's a big loss for them. I actually think when he's playing some good football, he can be he can be a, um, a really, really top-end 14 for a lot of sides. So a lot of it depends on Turbo's hamstring and whether or not he can get himself going. But I just don't know where Manly improve enough to be able to knock one of those sides out of the eight when you've got teams like Brisbane on the up, Canterbury's on the up. You know, There's some sides just on the fringe there that I think are improving. I don't think any of the sides in the top eight are going to regress enough to be able to drop out of it. So I just don't know how they jump into the top eight. So $1.50, they are quite short, but you've you just got so much riding on Turbo's hemi. Yeah, that, that's a good point. A dollar fifty actually seems like a fairly inflated price with with all of that that you've just said. To wrap that up, then a couple of plays. So grab your pen and write these ones down for round one. The new boys, the Dolphins, at plus sixteen and a half against the Roosters. That'll get you a dollar ninety. Canterbury head to head straight out to go to Brookvale and beat Manly. That's paying two dollars. And for a couple of futures bets here, Sammy very keen on Parra to finish in the top four, paying $3.75. For Manly to miss the top eight at $1.50. And I don't, I don't mind the look of North Queensland paying $3 to be the best performed top non-New South Wales team. Certainly plenty to look forward to there, Sammy. Just finally, a word on the Raiders. How do you think they are shaping up this season? Yeah, I think that the back end of the season showed that they can beat anyone. That combination of, of Jamal and Jack in the halves, you could certainly see that they're they're a different side when they're together and playing well. So I think that's a you know it's a real plus for them is having a bit of a preseason together. Jack will come back from the World Cup full of confidence. He was wonderful over there. So I think that that's going to be a real big one for them. There's a lot lot of um, weight on the shoulders of, of Xavier at fullback. What he can produce, we all know how good and fast and, and how much he can offer with the ball, how much his ball playing can improve and defensively organising that at defensive line is going to be the probably biggest thing that he needs to focus on and would be at the moment, along with putting on some size. So I think that there's a few um, you know, a few question marks with, with Xavier, but 
we all know that well, there's a couple of tries that were unbelievable last year. So if he can just build his confidence and keep going, then I think he'll be fine there. The the young centers are, are improving. Um, you know, I'd love to see me see me good mate Toots get back on the field and and get his 300th game. I think he played one game last year and and won it and, and played really well. I think he might have even been man of man of the match on the field that day. And obviously the injury struck at the end, but. One game for one man in the match performance. It's not as though he can't do it. It's just got to get that body right and, and fit, and he'll have trials to try and ease back into it and get himself going. So, you know, I think that there's enough, enough scope there for them to push the big boys and, and try and improve on that, um, you know, second week of the finals. Xavier, certainly a, a, an exciting prospect. I think one of the most exciting in the NRL right now. We're certainly looking forward to a huge NRL season, and we'll be back next week here on the punters pod until then happy punting